Hello friends and welcome to the new episode of Civispatchem. In today's episode we are going to discuss recent developments in American politics. Although it was a very busy time in American politics, uh, we took a short, short break and didn't cover American news so often as we probably should. So it's very interesting to discuss it now since we have updated our knowledge and we know that both House and Senate will be under, uh, will be under democratic control for at least next two years. Uh, it makes it makes changes possible in American politics, and that's what we want to discuss in this episode. We want to discuss what changes we can expect internally, uh, what changes we can expect externally, and how Biden will use the situation in his own advantage or won't use it. So, if you like this podcast, uh, subscribe to our channel, subscribe, uh, rate us uh, on any platform you are listening to us right now. Um, also recommend to friends or connect with us on Twitter. So enjoy. So welcome back, listeners. Hello, um, and the new year with yeah. many events. <laughs> Yeah, many events, and uh, most of them happened, I mean, horrible or just terrific events, you, you name it, happened in the US. And that's why we want to discuss it. Also, we fairly, we took uh, a little break from any discussions about the US, so it makes sense to do it now after we know, kind of updated our knowledge, and now we know that both yeah. Senate and uh, House will be under Democrats for at least next two years. So, so yeah, uh, so I well, guess we I guess... have to we have to talk about it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess the storming so. of the capital. Storming of the capital, and I guess my first question, I guess, to you, Vava. So what what do you make of this uh, event that happened, you know, uh, in in Washington? What do you make of this? Uh, uh, I mean, people name it, people call it in different ways, but let's say it's like coup d'état, failed coup d'état. Yeah, I guess you can totally call it a coup or uh, an insurrection. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, don't get me wrong, there have been insurrections in American history, both by minorities and U.S. citizens that were put down by force quite often, especially in early years of the uh, American Republic. But Mm -hmm. what is unprecedented is that this insurrection was uh, incited by a sitting president. He basically ordered his supporters to revolt against, well, maybe not U.S. government, but at least U.S. legislature, which Mm -hmm. is absolutely unprecedented, and I'm sure will go down in history books. Um, And I hope it doesn't set uh, any, you know, examples for the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for, I mean, for me, it was really surprising, especially during the first hours of this revolt. It was really horrific to just watch it, and because... People really thought that, you know, they could stay in the building and they could use guns because, of course, American guns are illegal and anything could probably happen. But the next day when I went to bed and the next day I woke up, it, it looked like the whole funny, kind of funny TikTok thing because, you know, they, they uh, did not really achieve anything with this, right? Um, and all of this was kind of in vain. And all of this is just memes with people stealing stuff from um, from Capitol Hill. Uh, and it just was a little bit of disgrace just because these people uh, kind of 
stormed you know uh, the government seat but they didn't do anything with this they just used this opportunity to make fun of democracy or just to make fun of uh, people who work there or whatever you call it but they were not really serious about taking power you know and just uh, probably holding holding this building and stuff like this which is good in, on the one hand but uh, it's still kind of uh, for me, it was a little bit surprising just how strange politics became, you know. Yeah, I think uh, what you mentioned is important. Uh, you can see that there was no uh, master plan behind the storming of the capital. Yeah. Uh, you can see it was very spontaneous. And uh, when you look at it now when it's over, I think that Trump didn't expect it to happen when he was mm -hmm. inciting the crowd and telling them, yeah, let's go and... Uh, what Giuliani said, let's give them trial by, by combat. I think mm -hmm. they both didn't expect that um, because, you know, Trump is all about talking and very often he doesn't do much, but talks a lot. And I think this was the case. He wanted to show how, how a strong leader he is and very determined, but he didn't really expect that people would really do this. Uh, best uh, evidence for that is that he said that, yeah, I will march with you to, to take the capital, but he didn't. Uh, so I guess he didn't take his threat seriously. Um, but when it happened, what's really scary is that his first reactions were very enthusiastic. He was um, happy to see the people storming the capital. He, he said that, well, he yeah. said that we love you to the people storming the building. Yeah, his first uh, address, like published on Twitter, and just during this during this events, were basically yeah, go home, but you know, elections uh, elections are rigged, and uh, that's what happens when you have like you know such a, like when you have rigged elections. So he he basically didn't really tell them to go home, but he told like he told the public yeah, that's that's the right like that's the right um, how to, how things should be, so to speak, which is of course um, just terrible reaction from from the president when you see um, definitely people taking over power so to speak uh, in the capital yeah so you can see that his personal uh, reactions were very positive but then mm -hmm. the next day he issued a video in which you could totally see that he was reading from some paper or a prompter yeah. or whatever um, some and he, I'm certain that somebody wrote it for him the speech and he said that Basically, the opposite of what he said the day before. He said that you will be brought to justice. You'll you'll pay for the attack on our democracy. Mm -hmm. You do not represent America. Um, so he completely changed his rhetoric. And I'm really curious what uh, what transpired behind closed doors. Like who yeah. forced him to to record this video, or who convinced him? Uh, what made him change his mind about his approach to this issue? I'm really curious what happened. Yeah. I guess just in general for me it was like the reaction was really serious uh, like throughout media outlets and just throughout the world I mean uh, even this night uh, almost all European leaders uh, uh, had a comment about this and almost everyone I mean everyone was uh, watching everyone was watching those events and just the reaction was such like a backlash in terms of people who were kind of freaked out on the one hand, but on the other hand, they were all kind of blame Trump and uh, just like just they even the idea that they could impeach him second time, they started the trial second time. I guess uh, he he just like made a decision, you know, to 
just to admit things, you know, he lost elections, he would step down, and that's what people wanted to hear from him. So he tried not to, I guess, uh, not, not to follow this uh, path that just leads nowhere. Just, you know, just to, to, to say elections rigged and I won't step down or something like this. Or at least he didn't, he didn't tell, uh, of course, uh, explicitly that he wouldn't step down, but he kind of implied this by saying that elections are rigged. Yeah, and I, uh, so before the storming of the Capitol, we had many theories what Trump might or might might not do on Inauguration mm -hmm. Day, that he might stay in the White House or uh, still contest the results. But now when he said that he will be stepping down, mm -hmm. uh, what do you think is his plan for the future? Will he disappear from politics or will he get convicted <laughs> or will he try to run again in four years? Yeah, well, it's it's really, I guess it's really interesting question. I guess he definitely, I guess, has some ideas to run for re-election, which, I mean, at least for me, it makes no sense. And I guess for people in the Republican Party, that probably won't have, or won't make any sense. And of course, it's just a big question for Republicans, uh, how they will like proceed with their future, with the future of the Republican Party, uh, and what, what they're going to do with all these people who support Trump, uh, because he still has definitely, as we as we saw, a lot of like very radical supporters. Um, so I think there will be just a struggle in the Republican Party. Of course, he will probably want to kind of push Republican Party in his own direction, uh, but uh, we will see some reaction from Republicans that uh, are going to say, well, you need to step down and you know our leader and they need to reconfigure stuff how to win like future elections because also like the thing that we will discuss like in a little bit later in this episode um they basically lost everything uh in these yeah. four years uh they, they lost uh they lost uh, house two years ago and now they lost the uh, presidency and they lost uh senate which is yeah, almost I like think... unprecedented yeah. in american history or, or, or i guess president who was during uh, a big a great recession there was like the only president who lost basically everything in, in four years every institute 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 of power and he also did a lot of damage to his party i think he he is the worst yeah. thing that happened to the republican party ever since the great depression um he basically burned his entire political capital and left mm -hmm. the republican party divided um he still has support. I've seen. I think I have. I've seen some estimates that around twenty percent of his voters turned away from him after he uh, he urged the people to storm the capital. But he still has people who support him, and yeah. uh, there are people who are deep in denial uh, and <laughs> thinking that um, it's it's the Democrats who incited this insurrection. It's their fault because they're dividing the people. So Trump still has some support, but I don't think mm -hmm. he has any political capital uh, left to yeah. influence politics. Uh, just look at uh, his access to media right now. He's basically banned yeah. from all major <laughs> social media platforms. And let's be honest, it's almost impossible to do politics uh, nowadays without access to social media and the internet. Yeah, that's true. Well, I guess he still has golf and his resource throughout the world, golf clubs where he can enjoy his life. <laughs> and I guess it's, yeah. it, it's really interesting to, I really look forward to reading maybe some memoirs from his wife or I don't know, from him. I, I don't think he will have any good memoirs about, like just telling truth about himself. But 
it's just interesting to read to read up stuff from maybe his wife or uh, yeah, something close to him. Has, yeah, uh, because he's he was definitely a unique president, uh, and his presidency was uh, extraordinary, so to speak, in every kind of direction. All right, so I guess uh, um, once we kind of like uh, finish discussing Trump, let's maybe move move forward to just um, internal and external American politics, like taking just into consideration all these changes. Yep. So what? How what do you make of uh, this uh, very good results for Democrats? And um, like, do you expect any change uh, to come? Because now they definitely have some power to influence stuff in American politics. I mean, Democrats in general. Yeah. So after the Georgia runoff, uh, which the Democrats won, which is really incredible uh, mm-hmm. that basically in this uh, election, Democrats managed to flip two red states to be blue, and that being Arizona and Georgia. Uh, and now they will have control of the Senate. It will be a 50-50 split. So the vice president, Kamala Harris, will have the final say mm-hmm. in many of the votings. Um, and this gives the Democrats a lot of space to maneuver. Um, mm-hmm. They have some very ambitious agenda that they want to push through. Uh, Biden was talking about making uh, make, making public co- colleges free. Um, mm-hmm. I guess they will want to do some healthcare reforms. And controlling the Senate will allow them to conduct foreign policy way more easily. Um, so they have a lot of potential. But mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if they manage to take advantage of that. What yeah. do you think will be? Yeah, what do you think they will do with both houses and the executive in their hands? Yeah, as you mentioned, that's a lot of power, and this is like definitely this window of opportunity that, of course, they must fulfill. Uh, otherwise, and it's also important to mention that this situation can last only for two years. For example, just in, uh, in case of uh, Republicans will take back Senate or House, um, because as we know from history, you know Obama had uh, both uh, ha- both. Um, Chambers went well, in 2008, but he lost uh, uh, he lost House in 2010. Like Trump had also every, everything under his control, but he also lost uh, Republicans yeah. lost. So uh, it's it's a, it's a relatively small window of opportunity, and of course everyone expect everyone has great expectations. And for me, it's also important that Democrats like they seem really united and they seem very ambitious and definitely have this feeling that um, they should do something in these two years really quickly to kind of like start some changes otherwise uh, you know if they don't achieve anything uh, internally or externally um, that will be a big failure and probably that will be failure just for American democracy and for American system people are gonna say well American system like doesn't really work uh, no matter who who is a, uh, who is a who, who is a president, no matter what kind of situation you have, it doesn't really yeah. work. I mean, I think that the yeah. Democrats uh, will will take uh, their advantage to make sure that no Trump ever happens again. Yeah. I don't know if you agree with me. Uh, they have some um, bills already proposed that would make it harder for a president like Trump to abuse power, mm-hmm. um, and. What you mentioned that they might lose the Senate or House in uh, two years, uh, the Democrats uh, can actually safeguard against this. They have ideas to uh, grant statehood to Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C., mm. 
which would certainly help them uh, gain supporters in those newly admitted states. Uh, and yeah. now that they have both the houses, it seems possible. Uh, it didn't seem possible recently, but now yeah. it does. That's true. I mean, everything is possible from like this perspective of American politics for them. I can, they can do anything, in, including a lot of stuff externally, not only internally. I guess we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, they definitely have an opportunity to change stuff in American politics. And plus, they seem like really united and unified and they like they're eager to do something. At least you can yeah, see. Yeah, which it cannot be said about the Republicans. They're in complete disarray. Yeah, but it's still interesting, I guess, just to discuss Republicans because they still have support. It's not, it's not like no one supports them. Yeah, absolutely, uh, they do. Half of the country support, uh, like half the country supports them, but now they have like very hard task to reconfigure stuff after reconfigure their image after Trump and just like to choose uh, new candidates uh, and just to. I mean, the Republican Party, uh, at least for me, it's it really kind of amenable in terms of it changes frequently. We saw it like with Tea Party movement in 2010 and just in general, Trump, like as they elected Trump, it was also like a big change in the Republican Party. So I think yeah. uh, they should be OK in terms of the it looks like they still kind of feel uh, where the window blows. You know, they still feel how to um, how to go through the system. And who to choose, like, to win elections. But who do you think will assume the role of leadership in the Republican Party after Trump is gone? Will this be Pence? Will this be McConnell? It's it's hard for me to see someone who will emerge as, like, as a definitive yeah. leader in their party. Yeah, that's really tough, especially now it's a little bit split after this decision to vote, uh, to basically... Uh, um, to discard, you know, elections, and you saw some Republicans uh, moved into, like, just chose uh, Trump's side, and other Republicans chose not to align with Trump, and you basically see this uh, shift and drift in, in the Republican Party. Um, for me, it's, it's it's tough to say because there's so many people. Uh, I hope they, it can be someone young, not McConnell, like not like Mitch McConnell, because I don't like you know old politicians. Uh, um, and also, it, it, it looks like a Republican Party, they, they have a lot of like this young members, maybe someone from this kind of camp, but we'll see, I guess. And what, yeah. what, what, what ideas do you have about this? Well, I think uh, when you looked at uh, Mike Pence's uh, speech after the storming of the Capitol, he very clearly cut himself off from Trump and those events. And I must say that for Pence, it was a very good speech and I could see him taking over the leadership mm -hmm. of the party, party, but it won't be overnight. I think he will, he would need to build some political capital for this. Yeah. As you said, McConnell is uh, way too old for, to be appealing for most of the voters, uh, people like Ted Cruz or whoever, mm -hmm. they're also pretty minor. So if I were to bet, I would say Pence, but don't mm -hmm. quote me on this. Uh, okay. It it can go either way. Somebody new might emerge. Yeah, that's true. And we still, I mean, there's still the question is what's the future for Trump. But for me, if he chooses, you know, to um, to run for presidency next time, it's it's just a waste of energy, resources, and a waste of time because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but and yeah. he'll be very very old. 
Yeah, that's that's also true. But you know, it doesn't stop uh, a lot of people <laughs> in America true. From, true. from running. Bureaucracy. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I guess uh, another important question that we should we should cover is uh, like changes that can happen in foreign policy because mm-hmm. under them, like with Democrats controlling Senate, and we have uh, uh, we have Biden, we have like very good opportunity for things to change. Uh, so what's what do you think about the like the prospects in foreign policy, like taking into account this, uh, taking into account just democratic senate? Well, uh, as Biden said, he will, he will want to uh, re-enter many of the agreements mm-hmm. and uh, international organizations that Trump quit, uh, the Paris Accords and the JCPOA mm-hmm. with Iran. Uh, but some of them, I think, even though they have the legal opportunity, that being having the Senate to ratify all the treaties, uh, I don't think that um, it will be easy to get back from the course that Trump mm-hmm. set the U.S. on. For example, I really don't think that there's uh, any chance of going back to a you know Obama-era JCPOA with Iran. Yeah. Right now, Iran wants to wants to basically nuke the hell out of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have too much tension in the Middle East, I think, to strike any productive deals there. Um, maybe some new deals with the EU could be possible. Um, yeah. Maybe some trade agreements. But after uh, the EU struck the deal with China, I think that mm-hmm. uh, it might be hard, again, to negotiate anything yeah. uh, productive with the EU. So, I honestly, I have no clue uh, what very distinctive uh, mm-hmm. treaties or policies they could conduct. I mean, they yeah. have the opportunity uh, domestically, but I don't see many opportunities in the international system. Yeah, uh, like for me, I would definitely watch out for JCPOA because uh, even though they probably don't want to, uh, don't, they don't want to come back to the same agreement. They can offer Iran, you know, to negotiate new one and negotiate it as soon as possible to get it through Senate. For example, mm-hmm. that would be, I mean, that would be great achievement, you know, if they can ha- if they can solve this problem because Iran won't. I mean, the problem with Iran it it won't disappear if they continue this policy of just pressure and sanctions. They will they will eventually get nuclear weapons. It's I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty clear. Uh, so this 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 is like an interesting thing to watch, but also yeah, climate like new climate agreement or something if they can get Paris Agreement through Senate. I think this is one thing that where they're aligned and you definitely see the aim from Democrats to um, just step up and just to take climate more seriously than Republicans did. Yeah, um, I guess uh, there's still some, you know, some room for maneuver and um, I hope they can do something with this majority in Senate to just, like, just move things forward. At least it's my hope. Um, but of course, let's see. You know, also, everything is possible in terms of you can start like now any kind of negotiations with the US, like taking into consideration that they can, you know, they can get something approved by yes, Senate. That's true. So you want you you don't need to be afraid of people like Trump, uh, people like Trump just ruining uh, those agreements. So this is a big, I guess, big. A uh, big hope, yeah. And um, also in terms of directions for foreign policy, where I see some potential is uh, East Asia. I think they might yeah. try to build some collective security 
treaties against mm-hmm. um, China, you know, some equivalents to NATO, yeah. uh, but in the Far East. Uh, I'm sure that China will still be the main uh, issue for foreign policy for Biden and his administration. And mm-hmm. it will be easier striking deals with potential allies in the region to balance yeah. against China. They even have this idea of G10. There will be like the G7 summit in London. And what they plan to do, they plan to invite, I guess they already invited like India, South Korea and Japan, I think. Uh, uh, the idea is to kind of have the summit of D10, which, which means like, like democracies, you know, the world democracies working together, of course, mainly against, uh, I guess, China and Russia. But this, yeah, there is an idea to form some kind of alliance uh, similar to NATO, but uh, maybe on the world scale, just larger scale. Yeah, yeah I think that's something that the Democrats could do with the Senate in their hands. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess just in general, it's just good to have some, have to have the situation because I guess we all have hopes and let's just see how it will turn out. Uh, because I guess uh, since I mean, during Obama, for example, when he became president and he had like a Senate and House, but the problem was the problem was that they had uh, you know the economic crisis going on and they couldn't yeah. really do anything with this. But now as economy kind of uh, comes back to life, uh, they have a lot of chances and just a lot of, uh, they have everything that they need at their disposal to kind of change things. So I guess I, I hope uh, personally that um, they can achieve something. Yeah, let's same. See. Yeah, I guess that's it. That's covered pretty much everything that we wanted. Yeah. That wraps it up. Yeah, so subscribe to our channels, rate us, uh, suggest, suggest our podcast to friends. And see you soon. See ya.